Woodlands Church, we're back, and it's exciting. It's been an amazing weekend, and you don't know how good you look. I'm telling you. Um, I mean, I got really tired of preaching to an empty auditorium. I was going to bring in those cardboard cutouts of people they're using at the ball games, you know, or do some kind of virtual thing or something. But thank you for being here. It's so exciting to be back. Sometimes you don't realize what's most valuable until you lose it for a while. And we've all come to realize how important community is and, and how spiritual connection with God and others are. And so we're so glad that um, we've started back in-person services at all three of our campuses. And we're also glad that we have so many of you connecting with us online. Because if you don't feel comfortable coming back to in-person services, that's okay as long as you connect with us online. And one of the great things is so many people who are connecting with us online are also inviting a few neighbors over or maybe their life group or some family members and they're having a Woodlands Church house church. And some of you are doing that right now and you're worshiping with us online and all that matters is that we're connected together because we need that spiritual connection with God and with others. And I'm so thankful thousands of you are connecting online in our area and all over the world. And so whether you're here at one of our campuses or you're Online, we're all in it together. We want to protect the most vulnerable, and we want to be as safe as possible. But man, we need church, don't we? This world needs church, needs Jesus Christ and the body of Christ being the church. Now, we're kicking off a new series today, and that's why I have this big ball up here. Some of you know this is called a Zorb. And a Zorb is basically a big plastic bubble that you can get inside. Zorbing was invented in New Zealand in the 1990s. And Zorbing is the sport of rolling down a hill in a Zorb. And here's a picture of it. Yeah, uh-huh. And there's no net below, you just keep rolling. No, there's, there's always a, a net below and it catches you. But um, if you're crazy enough to do that, that's what Zorbing is. Or you can get in a Zorb and you can bounce into someone else at another Zorb and try to knock them flying, and that's a lot of fun as well. And the Zorb can also float, so you can put it on water and use it as transportation if you're trying to get across the ocean or any body of water. It just takes you a little while, a lot of extra work. But I have a Zorb up here today because most of us have an invisible little orb around us. We try to create a world that revolves around us. And we get stuck in a little bubble of our own making, our own little bubble, and it's really hard to see past it. And we don't mean to, but without even realizing it, we get stuck in a bubble of self-interest where our whole focus is on our needs, our wants, our desires, our feelings, our hurts, our perspective, and we can't seem to break free from it to care about anyone else. And it really tears down our closest relationships. Or maybe today you just become stuck in this bubble of anxiety and fear. It just seems to surround you wherever you go and it suffocates the joy right out of your life. Or maybe you find yourself stuck in a bubble of hurt and resentment. It's like an orb that goes with you wherever you go and you can't seem to break free from it to get to a place of healing. Every one of us have these bubbles that we create in our lives that we get stuck in. 
And that's when we're starting this new series that we're calling Beyond the Bubble. It's really how to break free from trying to create a world that revolves around us and experiencing the world that revolves around God and his purposes for our lives and experiencing his blessings that he wants to give us. Now, the new age philosophy says that the universe revolves around you, that the universe is here to bless you. And if you have enough positive vibes that you send out to the universe, the universe will send you back positive things. That the universe revolves around you. Folks, nothing could be further from the truth. The universe doesn't revolve around you. The Bible says the universe revolves around God and his purposes and his plan. Now, the great news is God wants to bless you to fulfill his purpose and his plan. So the universe doesn't revolve around me. It doesn't revolve around you. And when we begin to realize that, when we start experiencing a world that revolves around God and his purpose and plan for our lives, we experience his blessings, his peace. He surrounds us with his strength and protection and peace. And we find joy. We find our purpose in life. Now today, we're gonna start by talking about something, really a bubble that we all have trouble with, if we're honest. And that's the control bubble, because there's a little bit of control freak in every one of us. If you haven't realized that by now, um, you ought to. Some of you say, well, I'm not a control freak. I mean, I don't try to control things and other people, and I'm pretty laid back. But really, we all have a little bit of control freak in us. See, some people are controlling by being these super planners, they just plan everything out, every little thing, every detail. They've got a 10-year plan, and they've got it all planned out. They planned out their lives and your life and everyone else's life. They've got everything all planned out. They, they control in that way. Then a pandemic comes along and blows up their plans, and it really freaks them out. Or someone else starts planning something other than what they've planned, and those plans clash, and they get really frustrated, you know, because things don't go the way they planned. And, and there's a little bit of control freaking all of us because some people say, well, I'm not a planner at all. You know, I just wing it. I just go with the flow, you know, and just enjoy life. But when you refuse to plan at all, that's really being a control freak because what you're doing is saying, I'm not gonna commit to anything so I can keep my options open so I can control everything. I don't wanna lose control to anyone. I wanna control everything and you miss out. It's like going through a buffet line and, you know, at first you're going, I'm going to save room on my plate because I don't want to get all this stuff that's good for me. I'm going to wait for all the other stuff, you know, and load up my plate. And then you come to the end of the line and you don't have anything on your plate because you're holding out, you know, waiting, not making any decisions, not making any commitments. And some people are going to come to the end of their life and not have anything on their plate to show for it because they didn't really commit to anything committed to a thousand things, maybe half-heartedly, but nothing with all their heart. And so uh, even people who say, well, I don't plan at all, there's still a, some control freak. And uh, some people control by trying to intimidate. You know, they, they control by being forceful and intimidating others, and other people control by pouting, and it's like, well, if we don't do that, they're gonna pout, so it's gonna be a problem. Some people control by being a worry wart because they think the more I worry, the more I can control things. And that's just really dumb because worry is worthless. It doesn't do anything for you. It just hurts your emotions. It hurts your physical health. It hurts your relationships. 
and it doesn't help anything. But we all have a little bit of control freak in us. Every one of us at times tries to control the uncontrollable. We construct in our minds what I call this illusion of control. This bubble to keep all the trouble out. And we try to control the uncontrollable. We try to control circumstances we were never made to control. In fact, sociologists did a study at casinos where they found that when people were rolling the dice, if they needed to get a higher number, they would roll the dice harder with more force. But when they needed to get a lower number, they would roll the dice softer because they're in control. It's an illusion of control. You know, we try to control what is uncontrollable. We try to control our circumstances and we can't. And it's frustrating. Most of life is just out of our control. We try to control other people. Sometimes we try to put a bubble of control on other people because they really need to be controlled because they're going the wrong direction. And we get really frustrated when they don't appreciate our little personal improvement bubble that we've designed just for them that would work perfectly if they would only wear it. And sometimes we put a protective bubble around us, a comfort bubble, because we wanna steer around any problems and control our pain in life, to keep pain away. And we try to control everything, but things just spin out of control. You see, we think we can control, but we can't. God is the only one that really is in control. No matter how hard you try, it's kind of like these bubbles that I'm gonna make. This is fun. Kind of relaxing, but no matter how hard you try to make your bubble of control, eventually it bursts. Those bubbles are gonna pop because we try to make these bubbles of control and really it's just an illusion. And God will allow your bubble of control to be popped where you realize that you're not really in control. Hate to burst your bubble, but most of life is out of our control. But then a lot of people say, well, I agree with that. Most of life is out of control. In fact, nothing is in control and no one is control and everything that happens in life is just a random accident. It's sort of like you're just a bubble, you know, just blowing in the wind wherever it may go. And there's really no one in control. Life is just random. And so, yeah, that's right, Carrie. Your uh, control is just an illusion and everything happens by chance and there's no purpose in life. There's no such thing as anyone in control. But that's just not true. Really what this whole series comes down to is God is in control and you're not God. If you realize that, then everything starts falling into place. God is in control and you're not God. God doesn't want you just to be a bubble blowing wherever the wind may take it. God wants you to realize that he's in control but that you're not God. And so I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 25, because God really wants to say something directly to us today. So would you stand in honor of God's word and just follow along with me? 
This is God speaking directly to us. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Dear God, we needed that word from you today because I know so many of us feel weary and worn out. So many of us, Lord, feel tired from trying to control things that are uncontrollable. Lord, many times we feel like we're carrying a burden that's just too big for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you want to give us your strength. So teach us, Lord, how to stop trying to create a world that revolves around us where we keep everything in control and we just experience frustration and fatigue and failure. Lord, help us to experience your care and control today. And I pray for everyone who's worn out, everyone who feels burned out, everyone who feels anxious, everyone, Lord, who feels like they're carrying a burden that's just too heavy, that you would work a miracle in their life in the next few moments, and you would show them how powerful you are and how much you care. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, and here God is speaking directly to us, and he's saying, you have to break free from the control bubble, or you'll never experience my care and control in your life. You have to break free from this bubble of control, or you'll never feel surrounded by my peace and my strength and my joy and my blessings. God wants you to experience that. And so I just want to share with you two things, two really simple things that will change your life forever. Two really simple things, but they are life-changing from this passage on how you can break free from a control bubble, how you can break free from trying to create a world that revolves around you, and you can experience a world that revolves around God and his blessings in your life. First, see God as he is. See God as he is. Did you know your view of God is the most important mindset you can have in life? Your view of God determines everything about your life. It's the most important thing in your life because your view of God will determine all your decisions. It'll affect all your decisions. It'll affect every relationship in your life. It'll affect your purpose. Your view of God affects everything in your life. So what is your view of God? You see, many times we try to put God into our own little bubble of our making. And we try to fit God into our own little creation, our own little bubble, and we try to limit God so we can understand him better, so that he can kind of revolve around us, and he can exist kind of to meet our needs and, and our wants, and we try to fit God into our own little bubble. We try to make God small. It makes other people around us big. It makes our problems really big when we make God small, but sometimes it makes us feel better and more in control 
The Bible says we were made in the image of God, but the problem today is we try to make God into our own image. I talk to people a lot who know I'm a pastor, and sometimes they'll say, knowing I'm a pastor, well, I just believe this about God. I don't know what you, you teach exactly, but I just believe this about God. And they'll go on to tell me their concept of God. or I just, My concept of God is this. And they'll go on to tell me what they feel God is like. And I always want to say, who cares what you think God is like? Who cares what I think God is like? All that matters is what God is like. C.S. Lewis said, I don't want my image of God. I want God. You see, we can't put God in our own little bubble, in our own little making, making him into our own little image for our purposes. No, God will burst that bubble because God will not be contained. God cannot be controlled. God's purpose will not be denied. God's plan will not be stopped because he is ever-present, all-knowing, all-seeing, almighty God. He is all-powerful God, and he can't be limited. But a lot of times we make God so small and it makes our problems really big, and it causes us to create this bubble where we just focus on our own needs and feelings and wants and desires, and we can't see anything else. But we gotta see God as he is, not how we want him to be, but as he is. Isaiah 40, 25 says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. He's saying, you can't compare me with anyone else. You can't compare me to a human being. You, you see, when we think of God, we like to think of him as just a better version of ourselves. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he's just better than we are. He's just a better version of, of myself, and so that helps me kind of understand and put him into my own little bubble where I can kind of grasp and understand God. And it's like... We think of the most loving person that we've ever heard of. We know God is all loving, so we think of the most loving person we've ever heard of, maybe Mother Teresa. And we think, Mother Teresa was so loving, she gave her life to the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India. She would just love anyone, anyone, no matter what they were going through. She would just love everyone that came in. She would just love them. And so we think of God. God, he must love 100 times more than Mother Teresa. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe God loves 1,000 times more than Mother Teresa, but God says, no, I'm incomparable. You can't compare me to another human being. It's worthless. My love is so far beyond human love. My divine, unconditional love is beyond anything you could ever fathom. It's so far beyond our grasp, our all-loving God. But we want to try to understand him by making him smaller. And God says, don't do that because that'll just make your problems bigger. That'll just make other people bigger than they are and you'll try to please other people. If you make God small, you make people big. If you make God small, you make your problems big because God is bigger than any problem. God is greater than any person, but we can't even compare him. He's incomparable. In Isaiah 40, 28, God says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. He's saying, lift up your head out of your little bubble and look up at the sky. Stop looking at your circumstances and 
Look at the sky, the night sky, and see the stars, the billions upon billions of stars that I created in this infinite universe. You see, if you look up at the night sky on a clear night and you see those stars, you feel really small because you get a little glimpse of how big God is and how we can't fathom how great and powerful God is and how we can't control God. We can't put God in our own little bubble. He's gonna burst that bubble. He will not be controlled. He will not be contained. God is all-powerful. Theologians use the word omnipotent. Omnipotent just means all-powerful. The Bible word is almighty in most translations. Almighty, the Anglo-Saxon word for all-powerful or omnipotent. The word almighty is used 56 times in Scripture. 56 times the word almighty is mentioned in the Bible, and it's never used to describe anyone but God. You see, we were made in the image of God, but we're not God. We're not all-powerful, but God is all-powerful. But some of you may be thinking, okay, if God is all-powerful, then why doesn't he stop all the suffering in the world? And that's a really good question. And it's caused some to say, well, God is either all-powerful or he's all-loving, but he can't be both. I mean, maybe God is all-loving and that he really would love to solve all the problems and the pain in the world today, but he just can't. He's not powerful enough to do it, but he would really like to because he's all-loving, but he's not all-powerful. Or maybe he's all-powerful and he could solve all the problems in the world today, but he doesn't care. He's not all-loving. They say either God is all-loving or he's all-powerful, but he can't be both. But the Bible says God is all-powerful and he's all-loving. And it's hard for me to get my finite mind around that infinite, holy, almighty God who is all-loving and all-powerful. You see, I know that part of the reason they're suffering in the world today is because God is all-loving. Because he's all-loving, he gave us the power to choose whether or not we love him. Because love's not love if you make someone love you. And so he gave us this powerful thing called free will and Human beings make some really bad decisions that have devastating consequences, and that explains a lot of the suffering in the world today, but it doesn't explain it all. I mean, when I've preached a funeral for a young boy killed in a car accident, and when I've been with families who've been through unexplainable tragedy, and they love the Lord with all their heart, and it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it all. And when my grandson, Jude Samuel, lived for just one day, that didn't make sense to me. Now, I know that God has just worked miracles through Jude's one day, and so many people's lives have been changed, and, and I've seen God bring incredible comfort to our son Josh and his wife Kelly and to our family. We've just felt God's presence so powerfully, and, and we see God working all the time through it, but it doesn't make any sense to me why I've lived thousands of days and our grandson only got to live a day. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why. But it always bothers me when pastors and Christians say, well, if you just have enough faith, you'll understand it all. If you just have enough faith, you see that it's all great and wonderful. It bothers me. There's some things I don't understand about God. Some things I can't fathom. But I just have to let God be God and know that his ways are higher than mine and that he is all-loving and he is all-powerful. And I'll never understand some things till I get to heaven. 
and I'll never understand everything about God. Evelyn Underhill said, if God is small enough to be understood, then he's not big enough to be worshiped. And I'm so thankful that God is big enough to be worshiped, that I cannot fathom everything about God. Isaiah 40, 28 says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. There's some things that I don't understand about God. If God is no smarter than I am, see, if I understood everything about God, that would mean God is no smarter than I am. And if God's no smarter than I am, we really are in trouble. I'm thankful that God knows more than me and I can't understand everything about God. But the great news is God wants me to experience him. I'll never understand everything about God because he's understanding no one can fathom. He's bigger and greater than anything that I can conceive, but yet he does want me to know him in a personal way. He does want me to connect with him. He does want me to experience him and a relationship with him. And that's why in Colossians 1.15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. God wants us to see him. God wants us to begin to grasp and understand him. We'll never be able to completely understand it, but God wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to know what he's like, and that's why he came to this earth. And Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And so if you wanna know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you wanna know what all loving means, look at the cross as Christ hung there for our sins. You wanna know what all power means? You look at the resurrection, how he defeated death. You wanna know what love is? Look at Jesus. All we have to do is look at Jesus, and as we look at Jesus in the scripture, there was a time when Jesus asked the disciples to get into the boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus gets in the boat, the disciples get in the boat, and they're fishermen, they're experienced sailors, and this huge storm comes up, and the boat is about to sink, and they're scared. I mean, they'd seen all kinds of storms on the Sea of Galilee, but this was different. I mean, this storm was one of those freak storms with a freak wind that was hitting them and the waves were crashing over the boat, filling up the boat, and they were about to sink. And they were experienced enough to know, hey, we're going under, we're not gonna survive this. And look at how they respond. In Mark 4, 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? That's the question right there. That's the question, isn't it? That's the human question. Teacher, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care about the pain I'm going through? Don't you care about the suffering? Don't you care about what's happening in the world today? Don't you care about what's happening in my life? Don't you care about the problem I'm going through? Don't you care? I'm going under here. Can't you see I'm going under? Can't you see I'm about to drown? Can't you see that I'm being swamped here? Don't you care? That's the question we all have. And until you answer that question, you'll always be stuck in a bubble of control, worn out, trying to control the uncontrollable. I'm so grateful that Jesus sleep in the boat. Isn't that amazing? And he gets up. He doesn't say anything to the disciples. He just gets up and he speaks to the wind and the waves, and he says, peace, be still. And the water's glass. 
He's all powerful and he cares. He cares about everything in your life. He cares. He answered the question they asked with a resounding yes. And I want you to know the disciples did the right thing. In their fear, they came right to Jesus, didn't they? Uh, they knew where to go with their fear. They brought their fear right to Jesus. And when you feel afraid and when you feel worried and when you feel like you're trying to control the uncontrollable, worry is just a warning light that goes off in your life that says you're trying to control something you're never made to control. And so when that happens, what do you do? Go to Jesus with it. Take it to Jesus. They knew where to go. And so they go to Jesus. And Jesus, peace be still. And everything is calm. And then the Bible says, the disciples became really afraid. See, at first they were afraid of the weather. Then they looked and said, hey, this guy controls the weather. We can't control the weather, can we? We can't even predict the weather. Weathermen are right about 50% of the time. I mean, we have to prepare. Everybody on the coast has to prepare for a hurricane every time it's coming because it's like, we don't know exactly. It's this cone of uncertainty, 1,000 miles. We don't know. You know, it's like, as it gets closer, okay, now we know, you know, it's, it's making landfall. So now we know. And, you know, and we've got all the data that we have and all the stuff, but we still don't know, do we? But he says, I'm in control. I'm in control. So we have a God who's in control. It may look like this world is spinning out of control. It may look like everything is in chaos. It may look like there's so much suffering and pain, but I want you to know God is still on his throne and God is still in control and it's all moving to a crescendo of Christ's plan where he rules and he reigns. But the question is, is he ruling and reigning in your heart? Because if not, there's no peace. There's only peace where he rules and he reigns. And I love how he answered the disciples' question, you bet I care. And so I've got to see God as he is, not what I want him to be, but as he really is, and let God be God in my life. And then secondly, I've got to surrender to God just as I am, just as I am without a plea. In Isaiah 40, 29, it says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. What a powerful verse. If I come to God and admit I'm worn out from trying to control, I admit my failure, I admit my weakness, I admit my brokenness, then he's gonna wrap me in his arms. I admit, God, my control bubble burst. I give up and he will wrap us and surround us with his arms and hold us up and we can soar in his strength. What a powerful thing. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. See, every one of us have failed. Every one of us are broken. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. You, you can make everything on the outside look pretty good, but on the inside, we all have a hidden hurt. I don't know everything about you, all of you worshiping online with us, everyone here at the Woodlands campus, or you guys at the Tascacita campus or the North Point campus. I don't know everything about you, but I know one thing about you I'm certain of. You have a hidden hurt. You carry a hurt because we're all broken on the inside may look really good on the outside. We're all broken on the inside. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a broken heart. Maybe it's a broken dream. Maybe it's just broken hope, broken emotions. We all have brokenness in our lives, every one of us. Maybe it's a broken body. We all have brokenness in our lives. We all have a hidden hurt 
that we carry, everyone you meet is hurting. But here's the great news. When I bring my brokenness to God, he can bring blessedness out of it. That brokenness is there to burst my control bubble so that I can turn to the only one who can really care for me. In his care and control, I can find peace. The other bubble, though, that the enemy wants us to stay stuck in is the bubble of I'm all alone. The bubble of I'm the only one. And that's his most effective bubble that he tries to put into our lives We'll think we're the only one hurting. It's like everyone else is happy at church. Everyone else, man, they're all happy praising God, and I'm grieving. I'm all alone, though. It's just not true. It's just not true. I'm the only one struggling with this sin. Everyone else, man, they got victory all the time. God just works miracles in their life. I'm the only one struggling. It's just not true. You're not alone. You're not alone. There's so many others in our congregation are going through the same thing or have gone through the same thing. Well, I'm the only one who's got this huge problem that's weighing me down. No one else has this. I'm the only one. The enemy will try to put on you the I'm the only one bubble. Break out of that because that is the biggest lie you'll ever hear. You are not alone and you will make it through with God's power because he's in the boat with you. If Christ is in the boat with you, you're gonna make it. He's gonna see you through. You are not alone. Look what this next passage says. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He's saying that when I burst my control bubble and I go, God, I give up. I surrender. I'm not in control. I come to you just as I am. I'm weak. I'm worn out. I failed. That's when he wraps his arms around you. And then he helps you soar. And your spirit will just soar. You'll feel the joy and the release from just giving up all the burden to God. It's, God, I've tried to fix that relationship. I can't, so I give it to you to do whatever you want. There's nothing I can do about it. I've tried. God, I, I give you that problem. I can't control this one. I give it to you to do what you want, so I have to trust you with it. That's when you feel his peace and his strength wrap around you and, and hold you up when you can't go on. Now, sometimes when I surrender to God, and I do this just about every day, when I come to the end of myself, and go, God, I can't do it, I give up. You know, I'm trying to control again. And, and he wraps his arms around me, and I just feel my spirit soaring like an eagle, like eagles that get into those thermals in the air, in the atmosphere, and it just takes them up without even flapping their wings. And sometimes God just takes me up. It's like, wow. I give it to God. He works this miracle, and I'm just soaring. But then there are other times that, I'm stumbling and I'm falling, trying to control everything. Oh, God, I give it up to you. And he gives me the strength to keep running, to keep running, to keep running forward, even if the wind is in my face. And then there are other times that I'm just flat on my face and I give up to God and God gives me the power to take the next step. He says, you will walk and not be faint. Sometimes that's the most powerful thing of all because sometimes... He gives me the strength just to plod, just to keep plodding on, to not give up, just to keep plodding on, even though it's messy, just to keep plodding on. Blessed are the plotters, for they will eventually make it. Just keep plodding. If all you can do is plod, that is a powerful spiritual thing, plodding in God's power, 
taking another step in God's power, taking another step in God's power. I give up to him, and it's like he's going to give me the strength to keep plodding on, and I'm going to make it with his power, and you're going to make it with his power. Maybe you're soaring today. Maybe you're plodding along. It doesn't matter as long as you're moving forward. Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep going. Good advice. Keep going. Keep plotting. Don't give up. Maybe you feel like you're going through hell today. Just keep going. Take another step toward heaven, another step toward heaven, another step toward heaven, and he will see you through one day at a time, one moment at a time, with his power, his strength on the wings of our Lord and Savior. The other afternoon, my wife came home on one of those hot, really, it's been really muggy, Houston days, and it's just so hot, the heat index, 180. And it was just crazy, you know, it's like, and she saw right in front of our door this little dog. It, it was probably a mix between a dachshund and a chihuahua, and it was really fat. And its legs were about two inches long, you know. And it was laying there on its back with its tongue hanging out like it was just about dead, it looked half dead, Chris said, and it needed water desperately. And so he found the right house because Chris is compassionate. She took the dog inside, gave it water, gave it food, and it started feeling better, we think, because it just started grunting like a pig. And I'm not sure if it was gasping for breath or it was just feeling good, you know, but it just starts snorting and grunting and this fat dog. And Chris thought, you know, it couldn't have gone far on those stubby legs, I don't think. I mean, maybe it's just the neighbor's dog. I don't know, but it looks like it's been going for a 1,000 miles. It's laying there, you know, flat on its back, half dead. Well, we revived it, and the next morning, my daughter Maine came over, and she said, it couldn't have gone far. I'm going to find that dog's owner. So she took this fat little dog, and she started going door to door with it, and she had her mask on, but some of the neighbors would kind of look like, what are you selling, you know? And she'd go, oh, I'm looking for the owner of this dog. It just showed up at our house, you know, half dead, you know? So it couldn't have gone far, I don't think, on those two-inch legs. And, and they was, no, I've never seen the dog, you know? Finally, she came to a neighbor and said, you know what? I know someone who lives in our subdivision who has a dog like that. Let me call them. And she called the person and said, no, that's not my dog, but you know what? I know a person who has a dog like that, who gets out a lot. And the dog's name is Toby. And so Megan looked at the dog and said, Toby, that little fat dog just looked right up. I think we found your home. And, and I mean, it was several blocks over. She, Megan walks all the way over there and knocks on the door, and sure enough, the person comes to the door and the lady says, Toby, where have you been? Why did you run away again? Toby's excited to be home where he's taken really good care of and he can lay around with his fat self and just enjoy life. And she said he gets out all the time. We don't know what the deal is. I thought about that for a second. I thought, Toby's really dumb. I mean, think about it. I mean, he's got it made, you know. He gets taken care of and then something in him says, you know what? It's not good here. Grass is greener on the other side of the pavement. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just set out on my own, and I'm going to try to make it as far as I can, and I'm going to find greener pastures out there somewhere. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do because life is great out there. 
I'm going out into the heat right now. As soon as that door opens, I'm going to figure out a way. And he goes out, and he makes it about a block, and he's about dead. He rolls over, his tongue's hanging out. Someone finds him, picks him up, finds where he lives, brings him back home. Oh, praise God, I'm home. So wonderful here at home. And then what happens? A couple days later, you know what? It's boring here. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to set out on my own. I mean, these little legs are going to carry me where I need to go. And he goes out, and he starts going, and he gets a couple of blocks. He goes, what was I thinking? I'm worn out. This is awful. I'm about to die. Nobody cares. Water. And then someone gets him and brings him back home again. Oh, praise God. I'm home. Hallelujah. But isn't that just like us? I mean, here we are in the safety of home, wrapped in the loving arms of Christ, holding us. And then we think, you know what? I need to try to go out here and control something, you know? And we go over and we go, oh, I'm worn out. What was I thinking? But he just wraps us up in his arms and he takes us back home to that place of safety and security and peace and purpose and joy. And then after a while, it's like, oh, I've got to control that. We forget that he's the one that holds us strong. We forget that he's the one that gives us power. We forget that he's the one that sustains our life. And I'm not talking about home in heaven. That's one day. I'm talking about at home here, right now in his arms. That is the most beautiful, wonderful, joyful, secure place you could ever be, where he takes us, where he wants us to go because he's in control and he knows what's best for us. Let's bow together right now. Dear God, I know that every one of us can relate to Toby. We can relate, Lord, we all wander off and try to do our own thing, control our situation, control other people, control our problems. But Lord, we're not in control, you are. So today I pray that every one of us, every one of us Tobys out there would just say, God, I surrender to you and I want you to take me in your arms, I give up. Take me home to that place of joy and peace in your arms. I trust you. And then, Lord, I pray for those who've never received you. They've never really given up and accepted you into their lives that right now they would pray this prayer wherever they are, just silently to you. Jesus Christ, I can't save myself. I'm tired of trying. I'm worn out, so I ask you to save me. Hold me in your arms. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me. Come into my life through your Holy Spirit. Carry me home to heaven one day. But take me in your arms. Help me settle into the home of your peace and your purpose. Be the Lord of my life from now on. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life. I want you just to tell us that. If you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, would you just click online? I raise my hand, receive Christ. There are pastors online in the chat right now. Would love to talk to you about that decision. Maybe you'd find a uh, pastor on your way out if you prayed that in the auditorium. Just let them know about your decision and they can pray with you and connect with you and give you next steps. But now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God and we give our offering because we love him. We love putting him first in our lives. We also love what he's doing through the ministries of the church. This last week, 
I think it was one of the greatest weeks of ministry in the history of our church. We provided food for over 7,900 people last week alone. And through our food and feeding programs, we're going to under-resourced neighborhoods and we're just adopting them and we're just, it's just a continual process. It's amazing what God has been doing. And by the way, um, we have a team in Lake Charles right now, our disaster relief team, and they're planning, preparing the way. They go in first and then we're gonna be taking volunteers all this next week. And many of you brought the supplies we asked for. And we're gonna be loading up a 18-wheeler today and tomorrow morning, it's gonna go straight to Lake Charles where it's needed with all of these hurricane supplies. We also provided for 100 homeless people. We team up with some people that work with people that live under the bridge and all these places in Houston. And this last week, we fed over 100 homeless people and helped them get into shelters when the storm was coming. And, and that's an ongoing thing. There's so many ministries that God is doing during this time. So many people in our church are hurting and we're ministering to them with God's power with God's resources and strength. And so I praise God for your giving. We can't all give the same amount, but we can all give. And give online at wc.org slash give. wc.org slash give and set up recurrent giving. Or you can give right here in the auditorium or right where you're at at home with your smartphone. You can take your smartphone out right now and just text the word give WC to 77977. You text the word give WC. It's one, it has to be one word together, give WC to 77977, and you can get all set up to give. And as you give, we're praying for God to bless you and meet your needs and to see you through. And we're praying for God to multiply those gifts for his glory and be really attuned to the website this week and to emails because we're gonna be telling you how we need you to help volunteer in Lake Charles and other areas around Houston and things that we're doing. But let's just sing to the Lord as we give. Let's just sing to him and praise him and, and to lift him up for his power and his strength. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.